One of the things when we think about Advent that I think that ch- some churches have lost is conversations about eternity, conversations about the second coming, because if we're focused too heavily on this life, it can steal our peace because if this life is all we're focusing on and we're not thinking about what's to come and the peace that comes from knowing that lo- much longer trajectory, it's it steals a bit of that abundant life, I think. And so I think when we think about hope and when you go to church, if you practice the Hope Week or not, considering hope in the light of eternity is a really good way to remind us how this isn't just preparing for Christmas and reminding me that I'm way behind on getting my gifts. This is about eternity. Happy holidays. I'm Paige Quadro, and thanks for joining us today on Study with Friends, a weekly Bible study focused on growing more like Jesus as we study the Bible together. This week, we're beginning a series focusing on Advent. Each week will correspond with the Advent precepts of hope, faith, joy, and peace. With all of the hustle and bustle, Holly and the ladies are hoping to direct your hearts to Jesus so that he will truly be the center of this season for you. This week is the theme of hope, with our scripture focus being Luke 1, 5 through 45. If you'd like to follow along or work ahead, I encourage you to go to our website, studywithfriends.org, to find the homework. You can also listen to us anytime with your favorite streaming platform or watch the ladies on YouTube. Now let's pull out our Bibles and begin with prayer. God, thank you uh, for this time together. Thank you for the opportunity to sit around your word and invite you into our hearts in a new and fresh way. God, help us, uh, for those of us who have been through what feels like a million Advent seasons, God, help us to um, bring this into our spirit in a in a renewed way. Let it not be stale, but God, give us um, a fresh a fresh word. And we ask that for those who are unfamiliar with Advent, um, this be a blessing, but all around that you would help us to use these scriptures in this time to prepare our hearts, our minds, and our spirits to welcome your son. We ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay, we'll do introductions, and then we'll talk about Advent, because even in my prayer, um, there was a little note to myself that I want to make sure that we talk about. So, I'm Holly. I'm always here. I'm Kathy. I'm Marilyn. And I'm Jan. Okay, so let's talk about Advent. Spoiler alert, Kathy helped me put the content together. So uh, I want to talk a little bit about how Advent is a tradition, not um, a command. Mm. It's a, it's not really something that, you know, is, is on the nose talked about in the Bible and talk a little bit about um, what the difference is between traditions and why we still do them. And I, I, I do want you guys to weigh in on that because I think uh, some people really eschew traditions. They're very just the Bible and that nothing more, nothing less, which, by the way, I totally support and agree with. But sometimes traditions can be helpful in uh, setting our minds and hearts in a certain direction. In a lot of ways, Advent is like Lent, where we're spending some intentional time and intentional practices simply to remind us of 
what's coming in that season of the liturgical year. I hate to use churchy words like liturgical, but the liturgical calendar. So we all know that Advent is really sort of a time to remember the birth of Christ, prepare for the birth of Christ. But there's like with Lent, like with Advent, like with a lot of elements of our faith, there's this already not yet element, right? So we're preparing for something that has already happened, which is weird. Um, so does anybody want to speak into why you think this tradition has um, stuck and what you, just be honest and tell me what you think about traditions like this that aren't as on the nose from scripture as, you know, some others might be like baptism is not a tradition. That is a sacrament. For me, I don't celebrate Advent. Mm -hmm. And so we celebrated it one time in our church. Uh, it wasn't something that came into being in our church until the past couple of years. I've celebrated it one time. So I was very excited to go in. I am one who eschews tradition. And I find that it's in my nature. I like the next best thing. And so I get excited about what's coming. And yet, as I was reading and studying this, I just thought it was such a beautiful tradition. And to celebrate and to remember, because as you said, the not yet and to what's come, what's to come. And what I didn't know about Advent is we're remembering and yet we're also looking forward. He was and is and is to come. Amen. And these three factors, and I think sometimes we forget when we just go back, oh, right, we know he was born, but he's coming back. Mm -hmm. And that's hope for us. Mm -hmm. And the, all these things that we celebrate each week, we celebrate because it happened and because it's going to happen Amen. again. Now, I know you have done, done it as a tradition. Does the Baptist church do it as a tradition? Well, I noticed that... Um, we bring the colors in, the mm. the, the burgund, I mean the purple mm -hmm. and the blue. So, and um, but we it would come up in sermons, but there was no real deliberateness about it. Oh, okay. It. I agree with Kathy though. I like the tradition. Mm -hmm. um, never paid honestly a whole lot of attention to it, but when I began to read, I thought, hmm. And um, with this grandbaby. Mm. Um, what an opportunity to introduce her to Christ in a way and be able to hold her attention because she knows at the end of it, Christmas is coming. Yes. Okay. I'm who likes tradition. Yeah. <laughs> However, we have to be careful that tradition doesn't dictate everything we do. We have to, sometimes we need to change. And so we can't say, well, this is the way we've always done it and we'll continue to do it this way. There should be a reason for it. And I think the way we've celebrated it in our church, th there has always been a reason. It's interesting. I grew up in the church and I consider myself pretty much a lifelong Christian. I was about five when I accepted Jesus as my mm -hmm. savior. But it's just been in recent years, really, where in our church they've emphasized the already and not yet aspect, the not yet aspect of preparing for the second coming also. I love that part of it. I love the fact that um, it's just given new life to Advent for me, that I'm not just going through the motions of, yes, Jesus is coming as a baby, and what all happens during the liturgical year with mm -hmm. Lent and Easter and the resurrection, etc. But it's also a reminder, yes, it's not done yet. 
interesting because one of the things that, uh, and, and we always did Advent as well. I grew up in a Lutheran church, and now I attend an Evangelical Presbyterian church. Marilyn and I attend the same church. And one of the things that I wanted to note, and then I want to start in really into the, to the reading, is uh, if you do grow up with traditions, it's an exercise to make them not mm-hmm. stale. Mm-hmm. In our church, we have an Advent wreath on the chancel, so it's up there in that area with all the other important stuff. And uh, it's beautiful, big Advent wreath and ca- uh, all the candles. And we always have one of the families from the church come up, mm-hmm. and usually one of the children lights it, uh, and then they read a passage. And so it's very intentional in our church. Mm-hmm. If you observe traditions like this, I love what you both said, that, it, that not having observed it, Studying it here gave you a fresh mm-hmm. feeling for mm-hmm. the Christmas season and thinking about it in a different way. Looking at the scriptures and thinking about it instead of just watching the family go up and not really paying attention to what it's about. So there's a balance there. Like if you've never done it or if you've always done it, there's always a um, how do I make this? How do we make sure that the spirit has room to, to allow this to be something that's really impactful? That's a good that's a good moment to switch over to scripture that we're going to read. The way that we're working our weeks is the first week is hope. The second week is faith. The third week is joy. And the fourth week is peace. And we picked some scriptures to kind of meditate on those things. Mm -hmm. And we just felt like nothing better during the Advent season than to really soak in scriptures. For the first week, which is hope, Luke 1, 5 to 45, a big one. Okay, so let's talk a little bit about that in the context of hope. Do you want to give me any quick quick hot take on just hope in general when it comes to Christmas and Advent? I think in, in our culture, hope usually means wishful thinking. And that's not biblical hope. Biblical hope is looking forward to something that will happen uh, or something that is to come. It's not... I hope that it, this happens. Mm-hmm. It's I know it's hap- it's going to happen in God's time, mm-hmm. and I my hope is um, secure. Secure, exactly mm-hmm. the word I was looking for. Mm-hmm. Um, so here we have. I, I, I think of El- Elizabeth as probably having given up hope. Elizabeth mm-hmm. and Zechariah having given up hope mm-hmm. of having a child, and now they're given the hope that they will be parents, mm-hmm. and not only that, that they're their child will play an important role in God's plan. Mm -hmm. That's good. Mm -hmm. I wonder, too, if um, Zachariah, by his response, I wonder if he had given up hope. Mm -hmm. I I looked at his response. What was his response? Uh, He questioned it. Mm His response was to to question it at first. Mm-hmm. So you wonder if he had given up hope, and so um, instead of throwing his hands in the air and saying praise God, mm-hmm. he questioned it because somehow he allowed the hope to be drained from him. Mm-hmm. Another way of looking at it is a good way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think that's natural. I think that. Um, we allow our own fears and everything to get in the way. And when we're promised something that we've been waiting on for, you know, 20, 30, 40 years, I think realizing that it could possibly be true 
is would be too overwhelming to believe. At mm-hmm. least that's the way I look at it. I think if I was 70, 80, 90, and someone said to me, you're going to have a baby, you know, and if I was waiting for it and waiting for it, my hope probably would have passed years ago in the fact that it could possibly come true. Mm-hmm. And so I think that, yeah, I mean, his response, just based on who he was, you know, l- reading at it, obviously outside of looking in, hindsight is twenty twenty. all that. Right, right. Um, I look at it, I think, you should have known. Mm-hmm. There was an angel right next to you in the altar. You know, it's not... And a, you're a priest. Right, it's in your sacred place. You're a priest. Like, your eyes should have been open to this. And it wasn't still, so it's human nature rings true with my human nature mm-hmm, and yet mm-hmm. I f- wish you know my expectation was bigger and even Gabriel's reaction was you know I am Gabriel you know <laughs> I feel like his reaction was so big because Zacharias should have had that hope and if he said it then it was going to come to pass mm-hmm. and so for, it's always that reminder for me right if I hear God say it then it's true it's going to come to pass my hope is that he's going to do what he said he would do because he always has. Yeah, in in the way that you're describing the word hope is really very closely related related to faith. I believe, mm-hmm. uh, not wishful belief, like oh I hope that I win the lottery, but I know what God has promised is going to come to pass. So can you give for me a contrast between Zechariah's response and Mary's response, and what how that falls on you? I've always been humbled by Mary's mm. response. Mm. People have said she was certainly probably a teenager, maybe 16 years old, in a, in a culture, the Middle East culture still has a lot of this, particularly among the, the um, Muslim faith. You know, you don't get pregnant out of wedlock. Mm-hmm. It isn't done. It, it brings shame on you and your family, and it's not to be done. And this was also at that time, particularly among Orthodox Jewish people, it's the same idea, you know, you're supposed to be pure until you get married. And here she's been told that, you know, despite the fact that she's a virgin, she's going to have a child. And all the things that culturally will come upon her, you know, she'll be shamed, she'll be shunned, she'll be disgraced. Um, She says, May it be to me, as you have said, I'm the Lord's servant. Mm. And that has always just humbled me because I think of the things the Lord's asked me to do that I've said, really? Mm. <laughs> I can't do that, you know, mm. or whatever. But, you know, she, she, she questioned, you know, how, well, how's this going to happen? I'm, I'm a virgin. Mm-hmm. But she didn't question that this is what God could wanted happen. her to do yeah. and yeah. that this was what she would do. Um, whereas Zechariah had this big question mark of how can that happen? Mm -hmm. You know, Mm -hmm. it's not, we're too old. This Mm -hmm. isn't going to happen. We've waited. We've hoped for too long. We've given up. Well, one thing that when you were saying that I'm reminded of is that when Zechariah heard the news, he was focusing on how that would really be quite unprecedented. Mm -hmm. And when Mary heard the news, and her news was even quite different because, you know, John the Baptist was not immaculate conception. It was like, go home, mm-hmm. <laughs> do what you need to do, and fruit will come. Right. This one is uh, unprecedented, and yet she doesn't say, mm-hmm. that's never happened. Mm-hmm. How can that ever happen? Mm-hmm. I mean, she she did 
pointed out, uh, but I sometimes I receive it like how as how will I fulfill this? Um, I don't know if you've ever thought about that, but she was betrothed. We know that. So was she saying, "Am I to go be with Joseph before our time, or how will this happen since I haven't been?" with him yet do you see what i'm saying yes, yes, and yes. so i wonder you just these are the things that you're like right. okay i got a list when i get to heaven what, what exactly <laughs> because i wonder what she was really asking there was she asking how can this be because i haven't done the deed or if she's mm-hmm. saying should i go like what what zechariah was being instructed mm-hmm. to do which yeah. is go do what you need to do right um which i find interesting either way um uh, 100% agree with you marilyn that um, her response is inspirational because yeah. it doesn't doesn't matter. God's telling her this is what's going to come to pass, and she's really quickly on board. Really quickly on board. Would it be like over overstating it to say um, Mary's response was uh, more spiritually mature than Zachariah's? I think it's the truth of the text that she believed her that her depth of her depth Mm -hmm. of her belief versus doubt ratio was Mm -hmm. different than his that's what i would say because he experienced doubt Mm -hmm. as kathy said it was right there in front of him Mm -hmm. but he could not let go of those pieces of doubt whereas it was also right there in front of her and she was like okay i'm just letting go of whatever the doubts might be and submitting to this so i I think in in from our perspective on the text yes obviously spiritually that's a that would be like a goal that we would want to be able to reach that whenever god tells us like kathy said to go go do be something we should just be spiritually mature enough not to doubt and just move forward but from a purely like practical standpoint who knows? Zechariah was a priest. Clearly, he had been a priest for a while because it was his time to do the the ceremonies. That not every priest got to do those. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So, mm-hmm. so I, I think it's an interesting thing to think about. I think it's interesting, most usefully for us to think about from a spiritually mature perspective. Like, if I really hold on to my doubt more than I let my faith win the day, do I need to check my heart? Mm. It even makes me think of all this other cross-referencing where he's, we sa- he says, be innocent as doves, and where he says, come to me as children. So this idea of the older we get and the more in-depth, and I know I get this because I'm Bible nerd-ish, and I get so excited about the text, and sometimes my knowledge overwhelms <laughs> my faith. And I think in a way, mm. this is what happened to Zacharias. He had been just in the game, so to speak, for so long, and he understood rules and regulations and this didn't fit Mm -hmm. into the right category Mm -hmm. whereas she had this innocence coming to it where she just lived in a more poor town she was one of many and she just had the belief and the love in in god and just said i'm your servant Mm -hmm. and so i just think even as i mature in certain ways i lose some of that innocence that i think that he longs for in in us Mm. And so we, you know, that being careful 
right? To understand him more and yet still love him as a child and an innocent. That's exactly what I was going to say when Marilyn was talking about how young Mary Mm -hmm. was, that some of that childlike faith was still in play. She wasn't jaded yet. Mm. And we do get jaded when we're just, when disappointments pile on disappointment, we get jaded. We're like, ugh, there's no reason to hope for that. Mm. And so that's a really good point. Okay. I want to do one more question and then I want to move into the next week. Tell me just on its face. What do you think the importance is of hope in the life of a believer? Hope changes the way it totally changes the way you live. If you live with hope, you live always grateful. Mm-hmm. You're always grateful. And so if you live a grateful life, um, it, it just changes the way you see everything. And experience everything. Yes, mm-hmm. yes. That's good. Hope also gives me peace. Mm-hmm. The, again, not this wishful thinking idea, but the idea that it's going to happen in God's timing and God's in control. I don't need to worry about that. Um, <laughs> not that I really need to worry about anything because mm-hmm. he is sovereign of all. But um, just the, the things that, I mean, I have the hope of forgiveness. I have the hope of mm-hmm. Christ's second coming. I have the hope of eternal life. Um, as Jan said, these are things to be thankful for, things mm-hmm. to remember and be grateful for at all times. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, does, it does change your outlook. Yeah. And it's peace-inducing because yes. you know whatever you're experiencing, it's just for a moment. A moment. Even this entire life is just a moment. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, whole different perspective. Yeah. I have, um, just as, they were, as you guys were speaking, I was just thinking our hope, our biblical hope as a believer is assurance. And to use that word, I kind of feel like I know that's a Christian word, but we are sure of what's coming. And when you're sure of what's coming and that it will turn out the way that Christ wants it to turn out, it will be perfect. It will be beautiful. It will be peaceful. It will be loving. Then I am sure that I can live this life as Christ wants me to live this life. And so I just have to always remember that I'm sure in the hope of him. And that's the hard part, right? My flesh keeps telling me all the bad stuff is happening around me and it's all falling apart and look what's happening to the world. And yeah. yet Jesus is like, I am your hope. Be sure in me. Yes. Remember me. Remember what is coming. Yeah. Um, one of the things when we think about Advent um, that I think the ch- some churches have lost is conversations about eternity, yeah. conversations about the second coming, normalized conversations about the second coming, you know, biblical conversations. Because if we're focused too heavily on this life, it can steal our peace because Mm -hmm. if this life is all we're focusing on and we're not thinking about what's to come and the peace that comes from knowing that much longer trajectory, it's, it steals a bit of that abundant life. I think that, do you you know what I mean? Like, I think that the time of fire and brimstone preachers, there's a loss there because not forcing people to think about what happens when after they die. Although I think COVID did that a lot. I saw that in my um, immediate circle, but not thinking about that robs the church 
robs us a little bit. And so I think when we think about hope and when you go to church, if you practice the hope week or not, considering hope in the light of eternity is a really good way to remind us how this isn't just preparing for Christmas and reminding me that I'm way behind on getting my gifts. (laughs) This is about eternity and what's been promised and what we are sure of. Hi, this is Carol, and I hope you've enjoyed today's episode. We are a donor-funded organization, and while all the women who participate in our studies are volunteers, there are many costs and expenses that need to be covered by you, our listening audience. Please prayerfully consider supporting us with a one-time gift, or even better, become a monthly donor. Just go to our website, studywithfriends.org, and click on the Donate tab. Also, please pray for us as we seek to fulfill our mission to help you grow in your relationship with Jesus Christ through the fellowship of Bible study and the careful examination of your faith. Be sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram and check out our videos and podcasts on YouTube, Spotify, iTunes, or Stitcher. And please remember that our studies cannot substitute for being involved in a Bible-believing church that is close to you, where you can live out all aspects of the Christian life. God bless.